0: Hey, rent to retires it's Adam Schroeder sure here with the another episode, joined Podcast. as usual by your the founder and CEO of rent retirement Zach exactly Master. And, and, and today we are joined by Aaron, a real estate, a real estate future, investor and in a the right budding place. musician. Join us everybody at rent2retirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and it easy care for So, Aaron, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so tell us a little bit. We always like to start at the beginning, where you should start most stories. So, let's hear about your first decision to make going to real estate and what was your first property what was your first deal
1: yeah well my first deal i did a handful of deals with you guys as a package deal um this was i think we started this in 2019 so i originally decided i needed to i needed to do something else because i've been in the financial industry for a long time almost 20 years um but I was in a car accident in 2012 that broke my neck. You can't see on the video, but put me in a wheelchair and it limited my ability to, to have the career that I thought I was going to have, you know, it's limited my hours and things like that. Um, so at some, um, for a while it was really just about kind of recovery and getting back to work part-time and trying to adjust to life. And then after a little while, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to do something else because plan A is not working, you know? So that's when I started looking into real estate and, uh, Diving into the podcast world and going through books, um, and then I found you guys. In the process of that, I, I can't remember. I think I might have found you through Bigger Pockets or something. Um, but then I ended up sending a call with Zach and kind of talking through um, what I was looking to do, and and uh, we ended up doing a uh, a five property package deal um, in Alabama, and that's that's what got me started, kind of kicking it out of the gate.
2: Yeah. Aaron, I've had the uh, the pleasure of getting to know you over the years of just staying in touch and kind of, um, you know, what I feel like is kind of on a personal level, and I've really enjoyed our conversations to see. Okay, you. It sounds like Turnkey was kind of an entry point um, into investing for you, but it's it's really cool to see evolution of investors that we stay in touch with on just like different things you're doing and different different projects. And I know Adam has a lot of questions prompted for you know like your your journey, but before we we continue on like what's next and what you're doing. Um, nowadays, I, I want to hear just a little bit about the mindset of like, why real estate? Cause you went through a, a big life change, um, you know, physically, uh, you know, emotionally, financially, um, career change. I mean, but what is, can, can you talk a little bit about like, you know, why, why real estate? There's a lot of different things that you could potentially, potentially put your money and your time and energy into, but, you know, what was it about real estate that made sense to you as, as something to spend your, your time and energy on?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, well, I've been interested in real estate investing going back to probably my early 20s, really. Um, I got scared away from real estate by Dave Ramsey <laughs> back then. This was, this was probably early 2000s, something like that, I think. Taking I on
2: debt and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And his story, his story about going bankrupt and how they just pull it out from under you and I didn't realize at the time, the type of loans that he had, you know, and that kind of the details matter on all of that, you know, and, uh, I just didn't understand it. So I just kind of put it on the back shelf for a while. And then once I realized, you know, kind of fast forward into 2018, 2019, that I was going to have to do something else. My career plans weren't working out. I was like, you know, I, I just need to pull that back out and look at that again. And, uh, so that's when I started diving in again, on real estate investing and looking up podcasts and books. And that's when I learned like, oh, there's a whole different way to approach this um, than what I knew before. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what got me going in that.
0: Yeah, there's a group of people that Dave Ramsey is very helpful for, but eventually you reach the point where what he's preaching isn't uh, what's going to move you forward. So a lot of people listen to podcasts. A lot of people read books and a lot of people don't actually take the next step. So was there anything in particular that knocked you over and said, you know what, Aaron, it's time to just, you know, put up or shut up, get off the, you know, get off the pot and get into the game.
1: Yeah. I kind of felt like my situation and just my desire to not be stuck for forever, you know, is what, is what pushed me to to just go ahead and take action. Um, Is that, you know, I was like, well, this isn't going to change itself, you know, and, Um, And if I just if I don't do anything, I will just continue to be in this place for who knows how long. And this is just isn't sustainable forever. I don't want this situation. And so, you know, I'm I'm an ambitious person. I would like to build wealth and um, and I'd like to have some time freedom to do other hobbies and things I'm interested in. And and so I was like, you know, I'm going to have to do something. So it kind of those things really pushed me, I guess, the situation and then just the desire for change pushed me to take action. I was just, you know, and I, I think I had a couple phone calls with Zach probably where I was like, all right, you know, like, are we really, gonna, you know, you feel good about this. Cause I, you know, uh, uh, you know, cause I, I do need to take action, but I was kind of hesitating. And then I was like, I just got to do it. So I just pulled the trigger. And once you pull the trigger and you do those, those first deals, then you really start to get settled and feel like, okay, yeah, I can do this, you know, and you start yeah. going from there
2: game on right (laughs) yeah there's um i always like to tell people that like your first deal here if you're an aspiring investor even if you've invested previously and this is like your first out-of-state investment or you're getting back in the game um like that that first investment property especially the first one out of state um it's more in my opinion more of a mental and emotional battle like it's important to just get it done stop I, i always encourage people don't waste all this time looking for this unicorn or this perfect deal because wealth is built in real estate over time. And, you know, the sooner you get started, the better you're going to be. It's never it's never too late to get started either if you're looking to invest later in life. But like those, those, that first deal especially, is just so important just to get it done with, right? Just mentally and emotionally. But um you shared some great points I think that will resonate with a lot of people, but I mean, any other advice in general for someone that's listening that that hasn't taken that first step that is just starting to learn about this? It's like, you know, they're they're feeling nervous and anxious or they don't know what to do. They're getting the shiny objects and they're maybe distracted by a lot of things because there's a thousand different things you can do in real estate. But like right. any other advice you have for someone that that hasn't yeah. started yet and wants to.
1: Um, I, well, it depends on where they're at. Like, I, I think there are probably a lot of people who are interested, listen to podcasts like this, listen to Bigger Pockets, different ones and they've never actually run any comps. They've never analyzed deals. And you gotta, you gotta learn some of that before you, you know, just dive in and buy something. Um, but then there are probably a lot of people who have, they do do that. And they analyze deals all the time and they just never pull the trigger on anything. Um, and you've got to, you know, like you were saying, kind of looking for that unicorn and cause on a lot of podcasts, you hear people talk about those They, you know, they get excited about the great deal that worked out with, you know, whatever and the great value add and it, you know, turn this great profit and, you know, the the unicorns will come along if you do enough deals, but if you wait for those, you're just gonna waste years sitting around waiting for those, you know, you're better off just diving in and doing a good deal instead of waiting for a unicorn, you know, and just get started. And then that'll come somewhere along the line.
0: Yeah, you buy a horse and then a few years later, you realize it was a
2: unicorn yeah we yeah. call it I, i've said this a dozen times probably already but the there's a lottery ticket um concept or there's a lottery ticket property where you know you just have a bunch of base hits right it's all about consistency and yeah. building a portfolio I and mean, it really is just a numbers game and, and scalability is is the name of the game but you know you you buy say 10 20 houses across a few different markets that have good fundamentals and some of those will be challenges some of them will turn out great statistically speaking i mean a lot of those properties probably will turn out above or below the line of average some of them will be underperforming some of them will overperform you know but you don't know what the future is going to hold so if you buy for good fundamentals there may be an area that goes through some you know revitalization or there's a bunch of new employers to that area where that that property just takes off like rents increase dramatically um, the property appreciates dramatically and it only takes one or two of those to create really really big wealth Um, but you can't you can't perceive that like you can't but you get into the game by investing and just holding them over time
1: right yeah so
0: when when was your your first deal was what year 2019 did you invest consistently throughout COVID as well
1: um let me think yeah so the first deal with you guys was a five property package deal. And I think we started closing on those. I think two of those closed at the end of 2019. The other three closed in somewhere early 2020. And then, yeah, and then we had the whole COVID thing that hit. And then I did a couple more also with you guys. These were in Indianapolis in uh, 2021, I believe. And then I did a couple of flips. Uh, trying, I think 2021, one kind of go. Yeah, I think those are some of my time frame is kind of getting fogged up in my head. And then I did a bird deal in 2022 and then I uh, bought a triplex somewhere in there uh, right after that. So, yeah, it was kind of. Yeah, I, I, I pulled back on buying right in the middle of the craziness with COVID. There was a lot of stuff that had to be worked out with the first. The first property manager and the first turnkey company that we dealt with had a lot of issues um and they weren't handling things well and then they ended up with a big mess uh i don't know if you want to get into that but um i ended up having to fire them towards the end of the year and find someone else so i was really trying to resolve a lot of those things in 2020 was kind of clean up that situation before buying something else so
0: you're buying in 2022 whenever rates were starting to go go up uh, that time frame, you obviously are still looking at deals. Um, so there's a lot of people who, you know, during COVID they didn't do anything because prices were running up. Um, now they're not doing anything because rates are too high for them. Um, so what led to you, like, especially during that time, just investing, was there any particular, how were you able to kind of tune out all the noise that you were hearing from people?
1: Yeah, well, I got, I did get lucky i was able to close on that bird deal on the triplex i closed before they started jacking up the rates really fast um i did do a rate buy down on both of those actually so i they would have been a little bit higher and i just went ahead and paid a fee to buy those rates down a little bit just because i i felt like based on the numbers that would pay for itself over time um but even now yeah i would do a deal right now honestly it's just a matter of i've had to spend a lot of capital on the the existing ones you know, HVACs and roofs and this, that, and the other. And so I've been kind of waiting to recoup some of that, um, to get going on the next deal. But yeah, if I, if I had the cash in hand right now, I'd, I'd be looking for a deal and ready to go on the next one. I think, you know, rates being high, they're going to affect numbers a little bit, but the other thing that they affect is they pull competition out of the market too. So that was all, you know, 2021 was crazy because everybody was diving in, especially I'm, I'm in the DFW area. So everybody was diving in here and trying to buy a deal and everything was getting overbid. Even the wholesalers, the numbers were coming, you know, really high. Um, and so that pulled back really fast once everything started to shift, where now you saw that level off really quick. There's, you see a lot of price drops, things are not being overbid. I mean, there's still, you know, deals are still being had. A lot of people still moving here. Um, but as far as as far as the overbidding and and just the craziness that pulled back, so it pulls competition back too. So, you know, you can, as as long as you, you know, go through the numbers and and all of that, and and like Zach was saying earlier, over time, real estate's the long-term game, you know, so um, as long as you're looking at that, uh, you know, 8% interest rate, I don't think it should hold anybody back. Like, just keep looking for deals, you know, and when you find one, just go for it.
2: Yeah, it's all about consistency and and buying over time. I think that you know there's um, we have a lot of people that, as Adam mentioned, you know they're looking at rates and 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 these are typically people who who have already and historically you know have found a reason not not to invest, um, but to really, guys, I got to hit the point home. And and Aaron is a perfect example of this. But you got to to be successful, you got to consistently invest in any market cycle. And there's where there's challenges, there's also opportunity. And right now, like if if you invest for good fundamentals and you have a high interest rate, well, either properties and it's still cash flows, and you're investing now. Well, in the future, either rates are going to go down, and mm-hmm. then you can refinance and increase um, right. your cash flow. And if you're investing in a good area, simultaneously rents will, will also go up over time. Um, or if interest rates happen to go up, well, then you're you're you know, you're happy you got a lower interest rate, and it's still cash flows. And again, you're you're investing for fundamentals, so. I would never look at rates as a, like, that is the worst thing you can do is make that be a deterrent from, from investing. You just have to learn how to work, work with them. But you've been an individual who's, you got some turnkey stuff. You've invested in a few different markets. You're doing some of your own deals and using some creative strategies. So you're kind of taking this multifactorial approach and that, that's great. I love to see investors that go on like turnkey mine is a, might be an easy entry point to a new market. There's some people that only want to invest, you know, via the turnkey route because they want to be completely hands off. Um, there's a lot of people like you, Aaron, who are doing multiple different strategies and finding ways to be successful based on on your goals. Um, but I do want to go back to the managerial issue um, because this is something that I think is important to people. Uh, you know, we we vet different property manager teams in different areas, um, and we have certain criteria. And a lot of times these are the same teams that we personally use and we have confidence in them. Um, and this would be true of like property management teams that, that we work with or team management just in general, like ultimately even in a passive approach to investing, you have to manage your property manager. And sometimes you have to fire them just like you have to fire bad contractors or builders or, you know, fire bad tenants through evictions. <laughs> um, back when I was doing optometry, sometimes we'd have to fire patients, you know, that were just unruly or customers, like that, that's a reality. And sometimes you have to deal with those. So I wanna focus on how, um, like, how do you vet, based on your experience, uh, Aaron, how do you vet a good property manager? And how, how do you know that you feel confident working with one now that you've had some experience with good property managers, not so good property managers, how how does someone go about finding a good property manager and and making sure that they're the right team to work with
1: yeah that's a great question um the the ones that i ended up switching to so i I actually divided up the properties and i split i had one the first property manager when we started in alabama and did not go well a lot of issues and uh i actually split those properties up
2: between two new property managers like you tested a couple ones is that what you're saying to
1: well i didn't test them it was the region so some Hmm. somewhere in birmingham somewhere in montgomery and the ones that i found just focused on those areas now there was a there was a more national brand that i found that i that i believe said they could do all of them um but i decided to go ahead and split them up so the way i found these was actually i found one of them i found on the bigger pockets site i was just searching and i was like let me look on there and these guys had a profile on there and so i called them and had a conversation and it turned out the guy who owns the property management company is an investor himself and so that spoke a lot to me um so i decided to give them a try now i i called a few others as well i had i interviewed them and had conversations they were the only ones in montgomery that i spoke to where the owner was actually an investor um and so i decided to try them out and that's been a great experience and i've developed a really good relationship with him as well and we've even talked about doing some other deals with them uh he helped me actually a lot on that bird deal and on the uh, triplex they managed those um and they helped me analyze deals as well i can bounce things off of them so that's good with them being an investor you know and then the other one that i found in birmingham I, it wasn't through bigger pockets it was through who was that through it was it was another organization i might have been similar to you guys i don't think it was a turnkey company though i found them through somebody that they're on their podcast and they're on their website and it's another investing, the name is slipping my mind right now, but I found them kind of through that route and called them up and have a conversation with them and decided to try them out. So that's kind of how that happened.
2: So the three main takeaways that I I heard you say that really stood out to me is is one, you liked working with someone hyper-local that really knows a market and you chose to do that even if it meant going with different managerial teams in an area versus a national company and I, I think there is something to be said for a company that just really has a good organization established locally and knows that market. Um, the second thing is that you worked with uh, a team that um, the owner was an actual investor. And we always talk about, you know, whether this is a real estate attorney, CPA, lender, insurance provider, like it's we always want to make sure that they are investors themselves because they get it and they they are a good person to add to your your team, your, your dream team. Um, and then the third thing is that you called multiple teams and, you know, at least with that, that first one, like they weren't the first go-to um, you've you added multiple teams. And I think that uh, that set you up for success and had some choices, right?
1: Yeah. I think it's important to call, don't just call one and go from there, call multiple management firms and and talk to them and ask them a bunch of questions, especially, I mean, it's easier to ask those questions once you've had a bad experience with one two. you know, then you're kind of like, okay, what about this? And what about that? And how do you handle this? And how do you handle that? So that kind of helped. Then I had some questions to ask, you know, how do you handle this? Um, but yeah, I think it's important to talk to
2: yeah a few of them. And that goes to show too, like if you have, and this would be true of anyone on your team, not just property managers, but if someone's underperforming, I mean, you you got to evaluate if if that's a relationship you hang on to or if you make a change, and I think sometimes people battle. Again, this isn't just property management. This could be tenants. This could be financing. Mm-hmm. This could be whatever the case is. Is is trying to force a round peg into a square hole or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's trying to you you ch- you need to change, right? Sometimes if you if things aren't going well, you give people an opportunity for, to perform, but it might be in your best interest to to switch, right? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, and that was one of the things I had to change in myself. Also, was I tend to be a very patient person, and so I was I took way too long to you know pull the plug uh, with that first property manager, and then even with some tenants um, where I just kept you know when we should have jumped on things just right away, uh, just kind of let it sit for a couple months, and well, let's see if we can work this out, or they're trying to do this when there was actually no action being taken and I would just kind of let it hang there. And so that's now something I don't, I learned from that, you know, that you got to get on things right away, um, yeah.
0: And what kind of questions did you learn to ask the property manager? Obviously, you know, you asked, hey, is the owner an investor, but did you find some other tips? Because I mean, property management is probably the hardest thing to to get right when it comes to investing. Now, especially because, you know, one, your rep changes there and suddenly, you know, they don't respond and, it's awful and maybe it was fantastic before that. So what kind of questions were you asking that led to you now being, you know, with the company that you're happy with?
1: Yeah, well, it's been a few years. So let me try to remember, I believe it was, I know accounting was a big issue with the very first firm. Their, their accounting was a mess. It was one of the reasons I fired them. So that was one of the questions I had was how do you guys handle the accounting? And of course I have to keep up with all that myself as well and double check everything and have my own. Um, and so that was one of the questions. And then another one was, how do you respond to, you know, a tenant not paying? And how how quickly do you, re- do you respond to that? What is your time frame for, you know, if we haven't heard anything and it's now the 10th of the month, what, you know, what is your response um, or have you already responded to that? Do you guys reach, you know, so those kind of questions, because you don't want the whole month going by and you just haven't heard anything, you haven't seen anything, um, And so, you know, and occasionally that might happen even with a good property manager where they just make it bogged down in something. But usually once they realize that and you reach out to them, then they they'll jump on top of it and that won't happen again. Um, Yeah. But yeah. But yeah,
2: I think that uh, I mean, property management is a. we could probably spend a whole day talking about this. Right. Because and and no property manager is is perfect. I'll say that either. I've I've definitely had my share fair share of uh, challenging ones over my investing experience but yeah the the big things that when we see issues or at least in my experience it kind of boils down to one of two things which is you hit the nail on the head with both of them it's accounting or communication and communication being with you as the owner with the tenant um you know just just everything so they need to have proper accounting set up they need to have good books they need to have software and then i think it's good to set the expectations up front what is a communication Expectations and, and standards. Um, let's yeah. kind of transition into what you're doing now, Aaron. So, I mean, I'm, I'd be interested. You talked about uh, some of the different deals you you got going on um, with multifamily, with um, some rehab deals, and things like that. So, I mean, what is what are some projects that you're you're focusing on now? And like, what is what does the future look like for you um, with with the uh, continued path of investing? Well, can I add
1: one thing real quick to what we were just talking? Sorry. <laughs> So one of the things I've learned with the the newer property managers, the better ones that I've dealt with, is that um, even with as far as communication goes, if they have delayed in communicating to me, what I've often found is when I reach out to them, they've already communicated with the tenant and they're on top of it. They just forgot to let me know or something. Um, that's usually what I have found is they're on top of it with the tenant. I just hadn't heard anything. So I reach out and I get an update. But anyway, sorry to go back on that. But- good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, right now, I mean, at the moment right now, I'm not actively uh, doing deals. Like I was saying, my my capitals has been tied up with some of the existing ones I've had. There were a lot of things, there were a couple properties in particular that have just needed a lot of work where things just weren't done. Uh, You know, with that, going back to the very first, you know, company that I dealt with, the turnkey company, the property manager, things weren't done. Um, well with those. And so there's been a lot of work to catch those up. So that's pulled a lot of resources for those. And then there's more, um, we're kind of doing ongoing work with the triplex. Um, It's rentable. So we're renting it out right now, two units rented right now and we're marketing the third. Um, And so it's rentable, but I think it's, that one's probably going to be an ongoing thing. I would imagine over the next year, two years, where we're just going to kind of do stuff as we go along. Um, we've already done a little bit, I've already changed one HVAC and we've done a little bit here and there, a little bit of plumbing stuff, um, and some paint and all that, you know, the, uh, the belt, you know, the, to make it look, you know, nice, but, uh, that one's going to need a lot of work. So that'll be an ongoing thing. Um, the bird deal has been fine. I, I love the flips. The flips were fun for me. I enjoyed the flipping. Uh, so I would like to do some more of that. Of course, that's, that's a little more. High risk now you know with the way it's not necessarily just the high rates but it's the way the high rates have pulled back the buyers um so then that, and that's going to be a local market but you know flipping is very like all real estate's very local so you know um for me that's i would like to get back into that I, I i'm interested in more small multifamily as well um down the road i would love to get involved with a little bit of commercial maybe some medical commercial uh just because that would have kind of an emotional connection to me because of everything I've been through with my own personal stuff with the accident and all of that, the spinal cord injury. Um, so I don't know, actually, you know, I'm trying to decide what the next move will be once the capital is there. Um, I've got a couple of people that I'm looking to partner with on deals that they're interested and in. They reached out to me and they're people that I respect and would like to do that. And we're, what we're really trying to decide is, do we want to do we want to do a real estate deal? Do we want to buy a small business? Do you know what do we want to do? I would like to be able to shift away from uh, needing a job, you know, because I've continued, you know, working part time through all this. So I'd really like to be able to just move independent and buy some, you know, buy more real estate, maybe buy a couple businesses, and just go that route. Um, I'm just not there quite yet. I'm still trying to get there, get over the hump. Uh, so I, I've been doing a lot of just research. I've been going through books and podcasts and you know, on various you know, storage and laundromats and multifamily and this, that, and the other, and really trying to decide what are you know what's what comes next.
2: Well it is a constant journey, I guess, right? As they say. So
1: Yeah. So
0: how I mean no offense, but you work in the finance sector. How did you get into flips? Are you just finding the right teams and are are you flipping locally farther away?
1: Yeah, I did the flips local here and then I found I found a guy to partner with, um, through Bigger Pocket side again, who is a local agent here. So he had overseen like 300 flips as far as, you know, flipping to investors. So he had a lot of experience with overseeing contractors and analyzing deals. And, and I was still feeling, and, you know, and I still like having somebody else to bounce the deals off of, but I, especially at the time I was still feeling very new to that. Um, And so I wanted to find somebody who had some experience doing that. And so that's been great. I would, You know, he and I have talked about maybe doing some stuff again um, as soon as I'm able to do that. The way we did those flips is I brought I got the financing. They were they were technically my flips. And then he helped oversee the contractors, helped me analyze the deals and all that. And then he was the selling agent on them. So we kind of worked out an arrangement that worked for both of us. and so in the future, you know, we'll figure if we do, if we end up doing a lot, you know, we will we may alter that partnership where it's, we set up a business and that whole thing. We'll just kind of see how that goes, but that'd be down the road probably.
2: Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about partnerships um, because this is something that uh, I always talk with people about as being, um, you know, an underutilized resource. Everyone runs out of capital at some point, you know, if you're using your own money to put down on down payments. And yes, you build you build up that uh, those reserves through cash flow, and you build equity in properties over time that you can tap into. But you know, if you can partner with people, it really can allow you to expand your knowledge base, and you can expand your portfolio. And sometimes people have this preconceived notion that partnerships have to be a certain way, and they they really don't, right? I mean, partnerships can be whatever makes sense for everyone based on skill sets, you know, financials, whatever the case is. My brother-in-law buys a lot of properties where he has 50% ownership of the deals, both in cash flow and equity, but he put zero money down. And they buy turnkey with us in these areas, but he just, he brings in investors that wanna be completely hands off. And so, I mean, he'll, uh, and that's a great way to just add more doors to your portfolio, not necessarily having to put the money down on them, but there's a lot of people that just, you know, they don't wanna think about real estate. They just wanna put their money somewhere and earn a stable return and have someone else kind of oversee that for them. But what what advice would you have in terms of like finding partnerships and how to how to structure them? Because there is you can structure partnerships however, however you want to, however it makes sense, mm-hmm. um, you know. But do you have any advice for just partnerships in general, how to how to utilize them? And I know that you've had it sounds like, you know, multiple partners and and possibly some more on some future ventures.
1: You know, it sounds like I need to do what he does and bring, <laughs> bring, bring in some investors, work with you guys. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, working, you know, I mean, it's, it's working with people, you know, so there's always going to be a little bit of learning how to read people and learning how to get to know people. And because, you know, ultimately, before you sign on anything, you've got to feel like you can trust this person, you know, to a certain degree. Um and so, you know, that's going to mean sitting down for coffee, having phone calls, whatever that is. You know, um, I when I found the guy that helped me on those flips, we had multiple conversations, went and sat down for coffee. It took several months before we actually moved on anything. Some of that was I was resolving some things with rental properties at the time, but also it gave me some time to really get to know him a little bit and have, you know, multiple conversations and really sit down with them and to feel comfortable working with him. and. Um, and then once I, that had happened, I felt like, OK, this is a guy with great character and, uh, and he knows what he's doing. He's got good experience. And so that worked out well. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still learning as well with partnerships. So for the future deals, especially if it comes to something like buying a business, I'm still listening to podcasts on that and reading books on that as well, uh, because that's kind of a if you're doing flips, it's, you know, you do a deal and then the deal is done. So if you had a rough experience, it's easy to move on from that. You're not locked into a long-term partnership there. But if you're if you're setting up a partnership where you're going to be locked into, hey, you're going to own this property for a long time together, or you're going to own this business for a long time together, uh, that's a little bit different deal. And you really need to feel like, you know, you can trust the person. Also, one thing is, is you need to feel like they, um, they understand a little bit of investing and that things can go wrong. And so if something does go wrong, they're not going to, you know, just freak out on you. Um, you know, and that, that could go south with relationships real fast as well. You know, cause people are very sensitive where money is involved, understandably. Um, I've seen that a lot working in the financial industry. So, um, you know, and, th- and that can get tricky if you're if you're dealing with friends and family and things like that. There's, you know, some investors don't want to do deals with friends and family and then some do, it can just depend um because if, if something you know it's like oh well now we got to do this and now we got to do that and now we've got an eviction and we've got an hvac and, we've, and things unforeseen things can pop up and so you you want to deal with someone that can handle all of that can handle kind of the ups and downs and and it's not going to ruin the relationship if you run into some bumps in the road you know
2: i think that was huge vetting the vetting the individual um having a dating period and and knowing that uh you know how how is this person going to react when things don't go according to plan? Because it's not a, it's not a matter of if it's it's when, right? This <laughs> this is investing. This is real yeah. estate, and uh, challenges come up. So how do you how do you work with someone to overcome those? I, I think that's that's key when you're looking at partnerships. But they can be a very valuable opportunity if you find the right people and skill sets that that um, you know can match well with yours.
1: Absolutely. Well, like the second flip that I did, we actually actually lost a little bit of money on that one. First one made money. Second one lost. And it, it was just a weird situation. I we don't have time to get in. I mean flips really. don't always
2: make money? Aaron?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a concept, you know, they're all unicorns. Zach. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was, yeah, it was a, it was one of those perfect storms. Like, wasn't just one thing that went wrong. It was like multiple things across multiple areas. Like, oh my gosh, in the market and weird, st- the local, I mean, lo- the local hyper local market got weird and everything. So it was a weird deal. And, you know, but it's, I still feel good, you know, that um, I still feel like that guy's know what he's doing. I've got a lot more confidence in myself analyzing deals now, running comps. So um, I'm still gonna do more in the future. You know, I feel like you can't, if anything, you know those kind of situations, they refine you and they make you better at it, you know and then you, you get better at it as you go. You keep doing them, you know.
2: So you may have lost money on one of those flips but you certainly learned some lessons that will make you a better investor in the future, right? Absolutely, Yeah. yeah paid about. A little bit for his education.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so, so Aaron, what does your portfolio look like in five years, 10 years from now in oh, your mind?
1: I, uh, 10 years. I don't know. Five years. Well, like I was saying a minute ago, I've really been trying to decide what's next. Um, I would like to do some new builds you know i like looking at the stuff some of the stuff you guys are doing with the new builds whether it's single family or you know small multi-family um i'm interested in some of that now i'm you know i'm still kind of weighing i, I spent a lot of time researching multi-family like large multi-family and then i pulled away from that i maybe that's something i would get into down the road i don't know the the syndication, uh, I don't feel like that's right for me right now. I kind of lost interest in that. The more I learned about it, you know, I went through a couple of books, I went through th- probably 100 podcasts on it. And uh, initially, I thought, okay, well, if single family is this, then multifamily is just a bigger version of that. And it, it's not the same. It's a, you're running a different kind of business and, you know, you're dealing more usually with short term debt and a value add. And then you've got to refire, sell, or move, you know, and the fundraiser. And you're, You've got employees. If you're I'm talking about big multifamily. Um, I'm very interested in small multifamily. So I don't know, four units, 10 units, even 20 units. Um, so five years down the road, I would like to get into a couple of those deals between then and now um, and uh, venture maybe a little bit into some commercial. Um, yeah, but I'm still kind of feeling that out. I'm really still kind of in a, I'm spending some time going through a book on this and spend some time going through a book on that. And, you know, trying to really feel out what's what what'll be the next move um once it's time to pull the trigger. Um so you know I would love to have some you know I would love to have you know I don't know 50 units and be involved in this, that and the other. I I like a lot of different things, but as far as what's, you know, five year feels like it becomes a little more focused on okay, because deals do take a little bit of time, you know, it's uh especially to iron out the the wrinkles. So Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, I guess.
0: Uh, Fantastic. Well, don't get paralysis of analysis on uh, on the big ones as you uh, as you look to get into there. So, Aaron, anything you would say to an investor right now who's sitting here listening to this thinking, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to do my first deal. Maybe it's time for me to do my second deal. What would you say to them?
1: uh that's a great question i would i mean gosh that can so depend on the person and what they're wanting to do Uh, i mean if they're looking for rentals i think they should call you guys (laughs) you know um and I i know you guys are even doing some small multifamily now so they could they want to get duplex or fourplex or something um so that's a great route i would say they should do that for you know i think if they're really wanting to get started with their first deal i would say they need to practice analyzing deals. They need to practice running comps. They're going to need, they're going to, you know, don't depend on Zillow and, you know, Redfin and all that. They need to get a program like PropStream or, um, you know, House, I think it's House Folios is one and Bigger Pockets has one. There's, there's several of them out there that runs the comps. And then, of course, you also can't depend on fully just the program either. You've got to learn, you got to learn how to go in and then look at each one individually once you run, once you run it through the system and compare them, put eyeballs on it. And um, I do have a quick story on that. I don't know if this helps at all. I, I was looking at one for that bird deal and the comps just looked wonky and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And it turned out there was a neighborhood right across this ravine that was a gated community with million dollar homes that was throwing everything off because it was in like a, <laughs> That'll you change know, things. it was really close. It was within the radius, you know, of like a half mile radius or one mile, whatever it was. So it just threw everything off because the other homes were you know 150 or whatever and uh, this was in Alabama and uh, and then you've got you know this little div, you know divider and then there's million dollar homes over here and so you know th- those pop up on the program so if you don't know what you're looking at and this this happens a lot with wholesalers if you're getting deals with wholesalers where the the comps will be a little bit wonky so you've got to go in and lo- run them yourself and then you'll usually find something like that there's kind of there's one off market you know or not off there's one offbeat property that's just throwing everything off. And so, um, you got to get used to kind of going in the details and it helps if you can find someone that you can bounce them off of. That helped me a lot. Um, so try to find somebody that you can bounce. like, here's what I'm getting. Is this what you're getting? You know? And then, um, that helps a lot as, lo- as far as learning and then just be willing to pull the trigger, you know, like you were saying, process analysis, you know, and I, I need to not get caught up in that myself too. Once, once the capital's there, like, you know, do the, do the, do the analysis, but then be, be ready to pull the trigger also and, and go for it.
2: Yeah. Know the data practice, um, you know, be, be receptive to taking criticism and, and, you know, collaborate with others, but you got to practice for, for game day, right? And on game day, you got to perform, you got to take action. So I love it. Good advice, Aaron. Thank you.
0: All right. So, uh, we got to, before we, before we wrap up and leave here, Got a website, AaronLoganMusic.com. Tell we people go. what they're gonna find there.
1: Uh, yeah, I like, I'm a songwriter. I like to write songs. I'm working on a new release right now. Hopefully, hopefully very soon, next few weeks, I can get that up. Um, some of it's just rough acoustic stuff. Some of it is more studio recording stuff. But yeah, I just uh, I'm always been a music guy, and I like writing. So uh, that's out there. That's one of the things I'd like to do also, if I can you know, get free, you know, financial freedom, free up some of my time. I'd like to to do some more of that. So, yeah.
0: you will be up on stage, uh, you know, headlining for Taylor Swift. Should be your opening act.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you coming and bringing your story to investors. Uh, to all the investors out there, some who have done deals, some who may be looking to do your first deal. If you have any questions and want them answered in future episodes, please email podcasts at rent to retirement.com and we will answer them. That's podcasts at rent to retirement.com. And like Aaron was saying, we do have single families. We have small multifamilies at renttoretirement.com. Just head on over there and you can see our inventory. That's renttoretirement.com. Really appreciate the time you spent educating yourself today. And we'll talk to you on the next episode.